The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Autoria, Source Elements, and RSPE Audio Solutions. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, I'm joined by Steve DeMott and Mike Thorne. Steve DeMott is a Connecticut-based audio engineer, producer, and multi-instrumentalist. He studied songwriting, music production, and engineering at Berklee College of Music in Boston and has been recording professionally for over 20 years. He now manages a commercial studio where they produce, record, edit, mix, and master music and audio projects for artists and companies. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. Glad to be here. (laughs) And uh, Mike Thorne's been playing, recording, and mixing music professionally for over 23 years, including the last 12 years with a focus on mastering audio. He works out of his studio Rimshot in the UK and is one-third of Brick Hit House, a production company he formed with cellist Jess Cox and composer James Pickering. Welcome, Mike. Hey, Julian. Nice to be here, too. So today we're going to discuss moving to Dolby Atmos from a music mixer's perspective. Now, I mean, we all know that Atmos has taken hold. It's not a flash in the pan. Hey, we could do this and then nobody does. It seems like it's going to be around for a long time. Largely led by uh, theatrical and post-production based uh, jobs, shall we say. But Dolby Atmos for music is clearly a thing. The developments that we've seen with, I mean, Apple significantly, but other places, Tidal, and, you know, I mean, various streaming platforms are on board. There is a delivery method, and Dolby Atmos music is available for people to listen to. But someone's got to make it, and people possibly like both of you. So we should start with that, really. Um, uh, Steve, are you considering equipping your studio to Dolby Atmos? I am. I've been talking to a lot of people, uh, trying to get a read on exactly, you know, who's thinking about it and where sort of the, the, uh, requests have been coming from and whether or not it's something that seems sustainable, you know, the, the big, really the big question is going to be for all of us. Um, if we're going to spend, you know, potentially three times the, the time of a regular stereo mix, I mean, is there an ROI on that? This is very true. This is, hold that thought, because I think we're going to circle back to these kinds of issues around that. That's a definite yes, though. You're, how can I, uh, more than pre-contemplative about moving. Oh, yeah, I've I've started looking at budgets and stuff like so that. So you're getting into specifics? Oh, yeah. You? Okay, all right. Um, same question, Mike. What about you? Yeah, definitely um, planning to do something with it this year. Uh, similar to Steve, looking at budgets. Yeah, all, all the same questions as Steve, really. Um, lots of thoughts about it. I've been sort of trying to find more and more content that's been done in it over the last year or so, listening to things, mostly films, some music. But um, I think there's a lot of reasons to do it, for sure. And I think there's a, I think there's a couple of levels you can do it at that maybe dip your toe into the water with it as well. So it doesn't necessarily have to be sort of full on to begin with. Oh, okay. So kind of like a um, a softer way in. We should we should talk about that. Um, uh, what a, next question? Obviously, is um, what's motivating that decision? Are you seeing a demand? Is it just professional curiosity? Are you kind of here's a thing I can do, and I uh, I pride myself on on knowing my area, so I should find out about it. At, actually, also and presumably, if you're going to put money on the table to do this, then you'll, there's a, an element of uh, confidence in the future of the format because, I mean, this is, a, as you said, a return on investment has to happen for it to be worthwhile from a business point of view. Right. Um, Steve, you were, you were going to go there, so uh, let's get back to that. Why do people actually want this? Well, so that is the question, do they? 
Um, it's sort of the buzz right now. And my thinking in, in, in starting to investigate it and looking at what it would cost and how to get it done is an expectation that there will be demand. I don't see the demand yet, but I'm expecting it as Apple has rolled it out. And, you know, Apple has a, uh, they have a lot of influence in, in sort of the pop culture. And that's going to, I think that's going to translate. It's a to, big vote of confidence, isn't it? It's true. You can't Yeah. And I think do. it's going to translate to people asking for it. But you're definitely seeing yourself as being ahead of the curve in terms of demand, but you're setting yourself up so you're ready when that demand you expect to see comes online and you'll be better placed than competitors? Hopefully. I mean, no one likes to say no to a gig, right? You, you, If somebody calls and they want an Atmos mix, you want to be able to, even if you're not um, 100% there, you want to be 80% where you can say, yeah, and then make a call to Sweetwater and finish getting what you need sure if you say no it's because you're too busy doing something else not because you can't do it exactly exactly okay so mike i mean what about you in terms of in terms of demand um uh, yeah how do you how do you see this how are you going to justify the decision if you if when if and when you press the button on on, uh, an atmos workflow how are you going to justify it to yourself i think there are probably i think every everything that steve said is is um, they're great points. I also think there's a few. There's definitely a few ways of looking at it. I think, I think it's the opportunity cost of not being able to provide Atmos mixes, which I can see for some of the sort of higher end projects that um, sort of planned or being spoken about for this year and next year, could mean that they end up going somewhere else. Ah, so you're saying you think you'll you'll miss. You'll you'll lose stereo I, work through not being able to provide. I, I think there's the potential for oh, that. Okay. Yeah, I I also think it's an opportunity to sort of reach out to current and maybe some potential clients, just as we sort of do over the course of the month anyway. You know, chat to them about the Atmos thing, catch up with what they're up to. I mean, you know what it's like when you do that. Even if you're just genuinely ringing up because you want to catch up with someone, invariably, you start talking about what you're working on. They do the same, and it usually leads to something else. So I think it's. There's a bit of an opportunity just to sort of connect with people, even if that doesn't necessarily lead to Atmos. Ah, so you're away. talking about planting seeds to then yeah, develop ab- into absolute, demand. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, for sure. And I also think it, it sort of signals intent a little bit. Um, I think there is something to be said for wanting to sort of continuously develop and improve what you're doing. And I know that the clients that I really enjoy working with the most do that themselves, and they expect that of the people that are working with them as well. In terms of sort of return on investment, I'm sort of at the moment look because I don't have any numbers on on that. I'm I'm sort of thinking it is more about just de- continuing to develop the services I'm offering and wanting to leave doors open rather than closing them. Um, most of the work I do is costed by project rather than the sort of the amount of time it takes all the deliverables. So how long I work on something is sort of up to me as long as it's you know, meets the deadline and the budget and, and sounds and feels good. My gut feeling is that the Atmos extra costs are going to be, they're going to be in the budget, but they're probably, I don't know if they're going to be a line item on it. It might just be that I can bump prices up a little bit for something and that's a conversation. It's sort of a bit of an unknown at the moment, which I think is what Steve was saying as well. Okay, so, I mean, you, you went there, Mike. Um, do you, You're saying that it sounds like you're not anticipating being able to specifically charge more 
for doing what's what's bound to be more work. I mean, you know, more channels, more steps, more workflow, more deliverables. It's going to take longer. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although it might not be a kind of like a line item, something that you're specifically uh, specifically billing for. I mean, uh, presumably you're gonna you're gonna manage to make it work in in some way if you if you get a job like that. But more generally. Did we think that we're going to be able to sell the idea that look, if we're doing more work, then we need we need it's going to take longer and we need paying more? What do, what do we think? How's that going to go down with with clients and people that you're working with? Um, uh, we'll just talk to you, Mike. So let, let's go, Steve. What do you think? Uh, oh, I hope so, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm envisioning honestly. I'm envisioning as I think about this because when you think about making a move like this, you also think about your pricing structure. And I'm wondering if this becomes a value add additional fee type of line item. We say, okay, so a mix is, you know, 400 bucks, but I can add Dolby for another whatever, you know, and I don't even know what it takes to do that right now. What, what is it going to take to to throw uh, put an Atmos mix together? I don't know. I haven't done that yet. So, you know, but there needs to be a, a, a uh, there needs to be, some sort of compensation for the extra time. Cause if I can do fewer mixes that affects my weekly, my monthly, my yearly, it, it you know, it can't be a losing proposition because it doesn't make business sense. Mm, no, absolutely. Clearly these are things that we, we probably need to understand before we, before we go in, <laughs> in real life and, and, uh, and do it for real and, and, and equip ourselves to join that club. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing kind of like this, this is a club that we want to be part of. Is it not? I mean, it's kind of like there's all these exciting new things. This is the future of da 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 da, and it it looks like that is where we're going. I'm it not does. saying anything that's pulling us in the other direction now. Whether or not people care, that's another issue. <laughs> well, because the, we've kind the... of been there, haven't we? Of kind of like yeah, and I mean, yeah. if you go to someone's you go to someone's house and and they've got they can't do stereo. Yeah, I mean, they've got one one speaker in the kitchen and one behind the sofa, and it's like, well, why are we talking about? Exactly. And that's what I was about to say is, you know, here we are in the 21st century and I have to be really careful about my mono because half the listeners are going to be mono for my stereo mixes. And I'm saying to myself, okay, so here we are in the 21st century and, you know, we, we should, we should be moving in the utmost direction really. Right. But half of them are mono. Mm. And, and, and I'm saying, are we really going to dive into, or is this a fad or is this really going to stick around? And, and, uh, a certain, uh, well-known mixer that we were recently, recently just talking about before we started the podcast thinks this is just a fad. The, there are going to be, yeah. I mean, the, the thing that puts me, puts me in mind of is, um, all of the stuff that happened in video with, um, with 3D. And yeah. uh, that, that, uh, as far as I can see, that's kind of not happening. Um, it's no, it's not. And I, and I think if it does peter out, it will not be right away. I, I think we're going to see demand for it over the next few years, at least. Even if, but I also have the question of okay, so if the full intent of the the playback then is through Apple Music. Amazon Music, Spotify, however it's going to be digested, we're really not talking about people listening in a living room with, you know, 12 speakers. 
No, because let's no, be honest, uh, who's setting that up in their living room? Mm. Um, right? This is a very good point that the infrastructure is there and it's been done properly this time in that you can you can consume uh, Dolby Atmos for, uh, binaurally through headphones, which is huge considering right. the way so much music's consumed. Um, something, something that I'd be interested to see is whether or not we start to see um, uh, Atmos in cars because that's a controlled I, I environment. I think we already are. Yeah. I, does that exist already? I mean, maybe I should should know about that if it does. It's not something. I'm, I'm, if it, I'm pretty sure it's on the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean. It's like it, it's definitely. I mean, I've got five one in my car, and my car's ten years old. You know. Okay. I mean, I just I just yeah. don't spend enough time in new enough cars. Um, but anyway, <laughs> it's it's like yeah, we've we've got that, and then going all the way down to you know we can we can fire. Fire bounce sound off off ceilings and all these kind of things and you know all these things that they they work better or worse than other things but the point is there are options all the way down all the way up to doing it properly properly right with uh, with un, un pretty much unobtainable uh, multi channel delivery systems in properly built rooms which you know yeah you're right not many people are going to have but it's not an either or it's not a binary choice between you have that or you don't have it right the other thing. And I'm doing too much talking, so I'm going to I'm going to put this put this back over to uh, actually to Mike because um uh, because uh, uh, you're the person who who hasn't spoken for the longest. Is what do we think about? I mean, it's it's a future proof format. It's channel independent. If you've got a Dolby Atmos project, then you're good going forward. It's, uh, it strikes me as a little bit kind of like capturing stuff in B format with ambisonics and stuff. Of like, it's up to you what you do mm. with it afterwards. Do you want it in mono? Do you want it in stereo? Do you want it folded out to a, a, a higher channel format than that? But this is this makes sense from kind of like, should we almost call it kind of like a future-proof archiving point of view? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So in that case, is this something you think you could possibly use and sell, actually, as kind of like, hey, you know, you, this, is, this is something that's worthwhile and will be interesting for however long. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. If you do it in this, then you're good. And you won't be coming back trying to get trying to remix stuff off off uh, multi track for the new format the way. That wow, we that that would it. that would take some vision, wouldn't it, <laughs> from people? Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Visit Achoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. I was actually just thinking about what you and Steve were, were talking. I wonder if we can just jump back for a second in that I'm probably very naively, but I was looking at some of the Atmos stuff as workflow because, for example, with the Brickhead House production company that I've, I've, I've got with, with James and Jess, We've been doing lots of library stuff, lots of um, sort of corporate um, sound to picture stuff. We've done some film stuff, all of that kind of thing. And even the music stuff, I've been, I sort of nicked the Bob Clear Mountain thing where, which he probably got from, I don't know, certainly influenced by Bill Putnam, I'm sure, where he, he's got a workflow that he's had for years, as far as I know, on his SSL where he can mix stereo, but he can also print a 5.1 at the same time. And so I've been doing that Um for the last sort of 18 months or so. So everything that we've produced that even if it's just, you know, music stuff, we've been recording sort of um, 
different room mics, height mics, things like that, and, and putting them in 5.1. And the workflow is such that you can put it up and I, I can print it all in one go. Of course, there are some things like film stuff where you're going to be primarily focusing on the 5.1. There's other things like music where you're going to be primarily focusing on the stereo. But I'm hoping that with some of the Atmos stuff, a lot of it is going to come down to workflow and that for a lot of projects, if I can get my stuff together on it, I can have a basic thing where I can just do this as a value add for a lot of clients, be working and developing stuff on the way. And then when the sort of the projects that are purely Atmos come in, they can be sort of treated as purely Atmos. Um, I think this goes back away as well, because I, I know that Bill Putnam, who the, sort of the Universal Audio guy, I remember reading years and years ago that he was, um, he mixed everything in stereo in the late 50s, even when the labels were telling him, we're just not interested. And then when it all sort of bit in the early 60s with stereo and they were desperate for catalogue, he had it all ready to go. And I think he did quite well. And obviously that's not the position that any of us are in, but I do think a lot of it is going to be workflow. So I don't, uh, you know, it's, does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. Total it, sense it, it does yes. kind of, yeah. yes, it does link into what I was saying about the kind of the f future proof archival format and the, and the, I think it's going to be down to what we make of it really. Yeah. Mm. A lot of it. But certainly you're, you're talking about um, building up material that's 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 ready for the format so that the demand isn't impeded but the growth of the of the format isn't impeded by a lack of material yeah and i mean right. I, I do this with my mastering stuff as well even if clients are not remotely interested in sort of apple digital masters or vinyl masters the time it takes me to do them with my workflow is is really quick and i'll even if i don't deliver them with the package of everything i'll have them there and then if if they need them in the future it's done you know and so yeah, what you were saying, I guess, about future-proofing stuff. I think that is, you know, it's definitely part of it. Mm. It makes me think of um, uh, Steve Jenowick of Capital Studios. He's, I mean, he's pretty much, yeah. uh, as far as I, I'm aware, kind of wrote the rule book on how to do <laughs> out, uh, music yeah. for Atmos. And uh, he's been very, very busy for the last few years, just barreling through Back cat label back catalogue and, and producing wow. Atmos mixes, which is, I right. mean, it has to be said, an extremely good way to get good at mixing for Atmos. And he's extremely he good at mixing the podcast for Atmos. Talking about it again, doesn't he? Really. But <laughs> the thing about it is, it's like it's like, um, okay, we have a format. What are we going to do with it? And because we've got big labels like that on board, saying, okay, we can sell all our back catalogue again to people in this new format. Why wouldn't they do that? Of course they will. But, well, the so, difference with this is that it's not. You don't have to have. A room with a bunch of speakers in do you you can I mean, even my laptop will decode atmos files even if they're not going to sound anything like what they would sound like in a home cinema you know you can you can get these sort of the ambisonics version on your mm. on any set of headphones and i think that's what feels like it could stick we haven't really talked about the specifics on this though in terms of kind of like gear we've been talking about kind of sensible grown-up stuff like kind of you know money and business and uh, and yeah uh, demand and things but we should talk gear so i mean have you calculated how much it would cost you if you decide to push the button on going uh, going out more? i mean steve do you do you know sort of ballpark figure that's seven grand okay that's which sounds a little I mean, closer than ballpark yeah yeah no i've, I've calculated it backwards and forwards looking at options and yeah it's, it comes to about seven grand and i look at that as well you know um Last year, just before the pandemic, I spent uh, a bit more than that upgrading things. So it's not a huge amount 
in the total scheme gotcha. of it's not, an, it's not an order of magnitude greater than a, than um, some other some other. Well, we we live in a world where, you know, you can spend three thousand dollars on a single microphone. Uh, Mike, same question. Yeah, um, um, I have. Uh, I think there are probably two stages for me. Um, the first would be to get a a really basic system um, to sort of as an add-on to my five one, which would be you know, six additional monitors and some kind of temporary structure to rig the height ones and a bit of cabling and stuff. That, for me, would probably be around two and a half to three grand. Um, so I'd be EQing on my mains and then just using those for positioning. The other thing um, would be to step up to a, a bigger system that could handle the, the SPL to become a Dolby um, Atmos certified music mixing room, which um, somebody from Dolby very kindly came out and the, the room fits the dimensions. And that would be sort of the next step, but that would be, you know, 10, 15 grand mm -hmm. and the rest. Um, but the thing with that is you can then do sort of stuff for bigger labels and it doesn't need to go to the additional stage to be, you know, to be um, QC'd. Mm. So I think probably the initially the smaller step and then um, see how that goes. And it's a very important distinction to make. If you can do like a lash-up job yourself and you're quite free yeah. to do that, but there's a certain status that comes with having somebody come and uh, come and rubber stamp your install and go, yes, it's the way it's supposed to be. Um, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's very yeah. true. Um, okay, so um, I think we've, prob we've probably already answered the question because I think I know where most of both of those figures are going. But um, So what is the biggest barrier between you and... Um, should we call him a future Dolby Atmos you? You know, this uh, this bright future of uh, of um, many channels and objects spinning around in your projects. What's what's standing in the way? Is it gear? Is it is it knowledge and expertise? Is it work to do once you're there and kind of, you know, uh, the risk, should we say, the business risk? What 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 do you think? Um, Steve? Um I think right now I feel like it, It'd be very fun to do. It certainly appeals to, you know, my geek out, uh, you know, kind of nerdy yeah. uh, impulses, but I haven't been asked to do an Atmos mix yet. So That, that is a big disincentive to, to you know, um, actually spending real money that's made of money then, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. And and there's my problem is, is I need to see business demand for it. Mm. So we have a chicken egg situation here because no one's going to ask you to do an Atmos project until you can do it. Well, they might do actually. That's not quite true, but you know what I'm saying. It's uh, right, but but until I hear clients saying that that's what they're looking yeah. for, but until they're hanging at yours and they hear the the Dolby Atmos project that you're doing and they go, "Wow, this is awesome! Can you do that for me?" It's this is this isn't unreasonable, is it, to think that. Um, the visibility that you that um, doing an install and and doing some Atmos work would give. Well, I, I think having the install, sure, and then you can you you know you contact old clients and you 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 say, hey, guess what we just did? Look, we're we're Dolby Atmos now, and that that could drum up some additional interest. And we spoke about that early on, but but it's a risk. Um, <laughs> there, there's a risk that you know it could take months maybe a year to start recouping that and seeing the 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 requests come in for that the production expert podcast is made possible using source connect now from source elements the free way to record high quality audio over the internet need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely with source connect now you can 
Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. Mike, well, I mean, what about you? What's what's in what's in your way of of actually? You're both talking about doing it, but neither of you actually started. So why not? Well, it's, it's mostly this year has been time, um, for sure, budget a little bit as well. But I think the budget will probably resolve itself a little bit just by sort of investing the time, getting some mixes out there, and, and chatting with people about it. There is there is demand for it. There are um, a couple of, sort of small film projects later this year, so it is really just a, a question of. Um, when now rather than sort of if um so yeah it's something i'm just going to have to schedule the time to do because it's it's not going to happen on its own but i um i i sort of i'm i'm convinced about it i've got the sort of uh daps the everything sort of downloaded um i've been playing with it on headphones and i think it's great i mean i i got the chance a couple of months ago to go to dolby's one of their atmos studios in soho in london um, and really cool engineer there called Miles Clark, who was just playing some stuff that he'd done that he you know uses to demo things, and it was fabulous because it's not it doesn't need to be gimmicky. It was it just removed anything between the performer and me, which is what I I love in great mixes. You know, I was right in the room with it, and that sort of even on some of the things I've been listening to, which I guess we'll probably come to in a minute. I'm sort of finding that even on headphones, it's. Yeah, I'm, I I think it's going to be great. So the, the main thing really has been time. For sure, you know, the, it's an expense. Um, but I think, as I said, there's sort of ways to dip your toe into it that aren't going to kill anything, if that makes sense. Was, was that your light bulb moment then, sitting with Miles listening to stuff? Or, or had you already yeah, heard good no, Atmos no, no, it was. I mean, I'm I'm really into the surround stuff. And as I said, there, is, there are a couple of projects that I really want to do that I think are going to be dependent on that. I know that with... Um, with film stuff, it's very unusual to uh, to send an Atmos to the dub stage. But with these particular projects, both the composer and the director are sort of really driving it. So I think it'll be a lot of it will be down to sort of communication between the dubbing mixer and, and myself. So yeah, I, I'm sort of um, keen to make some time to go and do it. So what was the material? What to, to tell us about it? This stuff, it was um, sort of quite acoustic based. I think there was some double bass. There were, you know, some acoustic instruments and vocals. But the sound stage was great. I mean, anyone that's done some mixing sort of on surround knows that it, it can almost be, feel like cheating if you've just done stuff on stereo for a long time because there's so many more places you can space things. Mm. Um, mm. And this was a, a sort of a full on setup. You know, it was as good a room, I guess, as you would find. Um and yeah, you could close your eyes and you were in it. And that's one of the things I love about a great a great sounding mix. You know, I mean, I would love to um, to hear the Buena Vista Social Club album on that because that's one I can put on straight away, just even off vinyl. And it just, within one note, it takes me into that, you know, I can, mm. it takes me there, I can smell the room where it was recorded in. And I think really good Atmos stuff has the potential to do that. Um, I have seen you know, quite a few people sort of rubbishing various mixes and saying, well, it's not as immediate, it's not as, um, doesn't have the impact of a stereo mix. But I think that's just sort of teething things. I mean, there's, you could say that about every, you know, about stereo mixes as well, couldn't you? It's going yeah. to be down Early to stereo mixes taste. were a bit of a Absolutely. moving target. So, yeah. 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 Steve, what about you? Um, is there any uh, Amos music that you've heard that was kind of went, made you sit up and pay attention and go, oh, actually, I need a bit of this? 
I've been obviously we've all been checking it out. We've all been listening and and uh, uh, I found well, especially with the with the Apple release, I find it was hit or miss on whether or not I felt it was an improvement. Mm. Um, it really depended. And what kind of, I, I think what, what I'm thinking in my head as I listen to this is I'm really thinking that, you know, as you just mentioned, you know, early stereo was a little bit of a mess. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you listen to some really early stuff and you're like, ah, hey, well, you know, bass hard left. That's a bold decision. <laughs> and, you know, it's in Thank drums hard. Thank cutting engineer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> I think that's where we are right now. People are making, trying to make the best decisions they can as we try to feel our way through what is music going to feel like with this. But I think, um, I see a lot of potential more than anything right now. I think there's a lot of potential. I, I definitely had that light bulb moment. And I think loads of people have had the same one because it's such, it's been out in public so much. But it was Nam two to three years ago, possibly. And Steve Jenowick again um, uh, was, uh, he's, he's done a thing with, the, with PMC at Nam for, for a few years. Um, just kind of, you know, barreling out Atmos mixes, just getting people to, to sit down and have a listen. And it absolutely works. Um, uh, the, the one, and there's a particular moment in uh, in a mix of Rocket Man, which actually Steve didn't mix, um, where the uh, beginning of the first chorus, because it sounds incredible anyway on this big PMC. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. there's this bit where the f- first chorus comes in and, and the ooze come in on the BVs and they just kind of like roll out through the through the ceiling, and everyone just goes, <gasps> and it really is one of those moments. And it was funny because I'd heard it, and then the following year. Going back to going back to Nam and and having the same experience. Uh, it was we'd we'd been to the new Atmos room at Capital, and I was sitting there with Dan Cooper, and I knew what was coming, and I was watching him when we got to this bit of the song, and just watching Dan's little face go. Ah! It was this, yeah, it was oh, fantastic, utterly brilliant. Wow. But but actually, the one that really sticks out because that was that was about kind of it was it was quite a dynamic mix, and there's a lot of things happening, and it was yeah, it was a real crowd pleaser, which is why it was so you know popular. Um, I, th- I think Steve must have nightmares of that. You know, I mean, it's just he must have heard it so many times now. Um, but uh, it was uh, the following year, and um, uh, at the booth, uh, Al Schmidt turned up. Uh, the only time I, I ever met Al, and it was uh, it was a bit of a sort of like I don't usually do the whole kind of like <gasps> moment, but it was it was you know the man himself, and uh, everyone sort of got quite respect. It was quite a rowdy rowdy room usually, but everyone got very kind of respectful because Al was in the room. And he wanted to hear uh, Mona Lisa, the um, uh, Gregory Porter version, which of course he mixed and sounded unbelievable. But that's a very static mix, and it's it really kind of made me sit and really pay attention to this. Does sound incredible, and it's not because there's stuff moving around, and there's not. I mean, I'm sure there was movement in there, but it's not something that was really shouting about itself. It was just enormous and very, very, very clean and lovely and lush, and and yeah, absolutely beautiful. And the end of it, Al just went, yeah, it sounds nice. And I thought, yeah, 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 it does, doesn't it? But anyway, anyway. Um, so uh, this we've kind of we've kind of eaten into the last question actually before we before we move on, which was I was just going to ask you: Do you actually listen to Dolby Atmos content? Is it part of your um, listening diet at present? And also, uh, do you, uh, is is any of it music, or is your Dolby Atmos still more kind of you know sound to picture, uh, Mike? Uh, well, I I sort of subscribe to um, 
I think it's Apple Music and I've just turned it on. So the default is if it's available, it's on. So I have been listening to it. I haven't always um, sort of even realised actually. Uh, and of course, a lot of the stuff that, that I've found that's been out is more sort of poppy stuff, which is great, but wouldn't necessarily be what I'd listen to to just sit down and listen to something. But no, I have been um, also watching... Um, Lots of films. I think it's, uh, is it Disney Plus do, are doing stuff in Atmos at the moment as well? Mm. So, so listening to that. So, yeah, just um, slowly. And doing the stuff that's available. And honestly, that's the important stuff, isn't it? There's something you hear in a demo room is fine, but the stuff that's out there on popular streaming platforms is going to be heard by an awful lot more people and make a lot more difference to the market, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Steve, same question. Pretty much the same. I mean, Apple Music has been where 99% of the Atmos experience has been for me, just checking that out, seeing what people are doing. I, I Kind of as a related note to that, you know, I'm really listening and saying to myself, what am I going to do with all these extra speakers? You know, I, there, there's as you're thinking about investing in that, I, I think about, I'm already thinking about how am I mixing it? And I, I, it's really a lot of, uh, I, I get tired listening to it because I'm thinking really hard. <laughs> Mm, yeah, no, but yeah, that, that's where it's been. But you're right, Julian. It's it, it's out in the wild, and that's what's going to drive demand. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I mean, last last one because we haven't gone into specifics yet. But the big the big barrier for me, uh, actually, the biggest barrier for me is that it's just not going to work in my room. Actually, just because of the the physics, I I don't really don't know how I could do Atmos in my room um, without killing things that I really like about my room. But that's too specific for me. But the other thing is, it's a lot of money on speakers. And yeah. if you want to do it properly, suddenly if you want quality stereo monitoring, then kind of, you know, most of us can do that if we're prepared to prepared to spend a little bit of money. Well, more than a little bit, actually. You can get something that's pretty good. But if you multiply that out to, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple channels, I mean, you know... <laughs> Double double the cost of your stereo monitoring just going into the height channels, you know, <laughs> is fairly fairly sobering thought. So, have you um, have you thought about? I mean, you have thought about, but um, have you reached any decisions about what's going to happen about your monitoring? Would it be that kind of a, um, a staging post to something something more sophisticated, or where you're going to stay? And and let's talk brand. What what's going in in your proposed Atmos rooms, um, Mike? What you saying? You're going to extend out on your um, on your five one is that is that head? That's head. Yeah, my my mains are are, um, are uh, some Unity Audio boulders that were designed by a good friend of mine, Kev Green, and I'm going to hang on to those because I I love them and I've had them for a long time. But mm. yeah, the five one is um, just a set of head. I forget what they are. I think they're sort of looking round. I think it's Type Twenties. They're not they're not huge. And the the, the landscape ones then. No, they're not. They're the vertical ones. They're not. They're not the tiny ones, but they're the one. They're the type the sevens, then I think. Oh, sorry. Yes, thank you. That's yeah. it. Type sevens. Yeah, um, and that's been fine because I've been doing my sort of tonal stuff um, on the unities, and then just positioning stuff on on those. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna get another uh, pair of type sevens to do the the side channels, and they've and got then, some quite funky subs. 
that I, I haven't they checked have. out, but I remember reading that they'd brought out some new subs that look quite interesting. So they you've got amazing, some options yeah. there for subs as well. Yeah, and then I guess if if those are the sevens that I've got, it'll be the fives for the height channels. Just you know, I, I um, like those fives. I, I I reviewed them for the site, and I, I thought they were, oh, I thought they were a nice box. Yeah, it was the, right. the best of the right. bunch, frankly. I mean, people love the twenties, but yeah, you can't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the five is better than the twenty because they're extremely different. But but what I'm saying yeah. is, of the range, the five is the one out of that range at that time, which was a while ago. That I thought that's the best box they do at the moment. I really. Well, of course, think you were great. here for the head. The head did the um, Klaus and Freddie did their sort of UK launch of the Tower Mains at, at Rimshot, it and was, so we yeah, got to yeah. hear them all. But I mean, hey, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd like to see what, how you how you do height channels using tower mains. That might be. <laughs> I think yeah, that wasn't what I meant. Who's <laughs> <laughs> a thought? Okay, so um, so Steve, what about you? What's um, what's your <clears throat> monitoring going to look like if you if and when you do it? Well, I I I, I like my Dynaudios. I'm a Dynaudio guy, so I probably do the fives for the height mm. and, and sevens for the the. You know, on plane surrounds. So different brand, but very much the same same box choice, same numbers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I th I think it makes sense. I, I don't know if you think about it. Maybe I thought about it too hard, but mm. it's, you know, you don't want you don't need you don't need a ton of detail for the the height speakers, right? Mm. It's it's if you really need to w hear what's going on, you throw those on the mains and listen. Mm. Yeah, and then then pan. Um. I just yeah uh so it would be like you know uh the whatever the core fives are and the sevens and that core, would be it. core sevens oh so you're talking about cores rather than the um uh i can't think what the uh the lids lyds yeah of course okay so so um because i've got i haven't i haven't heard the uh I don't know if it's LYD or LID. Is it is that like a Danish word that means something? I don't know. But don't um, know. Uh, but the cores, I know the core range very well, and I've got nothing but praise for them. They're fantastic boxes, and an Atmos system put together out of core sevens and core forty sevens and fifty nines. Wow, that would be, yeah, that'd yeah, that'd be quite something. But uh, yeah, yeah, four sevens is the mains, and uh, that's what I, I, I have got now. a question for for Steve. Sorry to just. When you were saying you're, you're so when you're listening to, um, sorry to cut across that, but when you're listening to, um, sort of Atmos music, you're really sort of thinking about what you'd be doing with it. Have you been or are you going to be sort of recording stuff in mind for the height channels? Because that, that's something I've been doing here. Um, I've got a bit of sort of height in the main room, we've got a little balcony, and doing things like that, um, for surround has been fun, but I just wondered whether that was something you were thinking you might do as well yeah uh typically we have a um i have in the studio we have a uh a, a mic arm kind right. of bolted up to up maybe about 12 feet up that sticks out into the middle of the room and uh cool. i was considering adding another one and maybe trying to mimic where the height speakers are and throw some uh mics up there leave them semi-permanently as my height captures that's a really cool idea yeah. Mm, interesting. Interesting idea, sort of mirroring the speaker position or the expected speaker position. Although, obviously, it's not channel-based like that. And with an object, you can do what you like. And uh, right. Atmos will render it, but it's, it's a good place. That took any, me a little time to get my, my brain around, honestly. It, I, it was definitely something I had a light bulb moment over, of just kind of seeing the independence 
between the two. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, objects all the way. Um, I, I'm not planning on going Atmos for lots and lots of reasons right now, although I really want to, but it's just not practical for me at the moment. But yeah, one day, although I have to say, I've just sent back a pair of uh, uh, Genlec uh, 8331s, the smallest of the ones, uh, like three-way um, coaxial uh, mm-hmm. active drivers with the uh, with the GML G- GLM I always call it GML which is something completely different uh, um, uh, <laughs> um, speaker calibration oh I loved those speakers I really did and I was and I was thinking how much would it cost to put together and uh, and yeah yeah reverse fast it's like yeah yeah that's that would be nice really? but it, that wow. was very much a theoretical atmos monitoring rig for me because that, that did, did you come up with a number or did you just stop early on <laughs> I, I, I stopped pretty much straight away it's like oh okay okay no too many digits bye so yeah yeah that's that's not gonna yeah. happen but oh it'd be a wonderful thing i haven't i haven't heard um uh, atmos over those and uh, it would be great too and i I'd probably i could at least go and hear someone else's put it that way so uh, anyway we should probably uh, wrap things up though so we should, we should move along to find of the week rspe audio solutions design sell and install professional audio and video equipment their team are available by phone live chat or email to receive and process orders They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. So, Mike, what's your find of the week? Yeah, um, it's... It may be a bit dull. It's not really recording related. It's, um, it's a book by Matthew Walker called Why We Sleep. Um... And yeah, I, I just, I'm a musician, so I obviously not during the pandemic, but I'm used to not having a sort of a set schedule of when I can, you know, sleep and, and wake up. And one thing that the, um, that has been the case over the last year is I, I've been able, for the first time in my sort of working life, I've been able to get a bit more of a routine together. And um, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe it's sort of, you know, reaching sort of 40 plus, but I've started to think about that stuff a bit more. The sort of tagline on it is that human beings are the only species that deliberately deprive themselves of sleep for no apparent reason. Um, so, yeah, probably quite boring. Um, there's a couple of little nuggets in there. I, I didn't know that apparently after being awake for 19 or 20 hours, your mental capacity is the same as someone who's actually legally drunk for driving um, and little things like that. So, yeah, that's sort of having a I mean we've we've all done I'm sure sort of all nighters and everything and sometimes you still have to for things but it sort of made me um think a little bit about it and I'm definitely being more productive and sort of happier during the day and for a, I'm an avid coffee drinker but just you know God, I sound like someone really old don't I but you know not having <laughs> caffeine after you know two in the afternoon and, and things like that has made a a big difference so yeah um why we sleep by Matthew Walker. Okay, I mean, yeah. sleep. Sleep is important. We all we all like it. So you know, why not? Why not? Why, why um, not? <laughs> Steve, what about you? Uh, so mine is uh, probably not new to most people, but I finally uh, took a dive into the Soundflow pond. Fantastic. I haven't been there yet. I know all about it, but yeah. Uh, so many people have been saying you got to check it out. You got to check it out, and. Um, 
I really, it was quite honestly, it was really yesterday. I really put it to the test on a, on a couple of different projects I had a, up mixing, and I just was blown away in the amount of time it saved me on little things like just getting Melodyne in. And have you, know, have you tried the Andrew Shep's Melodyne um, sort of template on there? Yes, yes, it's that's great, the one I was it? using. It's amazing. <laughs> it's I, 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 I literally, you know, just was like, that's all. That's it. I'm ready. Yep. I can go. You know, it uh, was there's a great it, one that saves all. Sorry, there's a great one that saves all the Pro Tools preferences as well. Which, if you move around, is is dead handy. So that's so anyway. Yeah. 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 No. And I've been exploring those. And I actually uh, last night, after doing all that, I started you know investigating the um, uh, how to create macros and stuff. And got, I was getting into that. I, I created a couple quick macros to color code my tracks the way I like them and stuff like that. So it's really cool to the point where I I just ordered the stream deck to go with it. Fantastic. Okay. Well, mine, mine's the, the Rode Thread Adapter Kit, which uh, is a great little thing that I, I spotted online the other day. And it's, it's just, it just fits onto a carabiner, and it's just some handy thread adapters that all kind of like fit into each other. So you've got kind of like your little kind of uh, uh, into the bottom of a camera one onto a little mic stand thread and then a little mic stand thread onto a big mic stand thread. And you, you get the idea. Right. And what I like about it is just the idea that it's something that... Uh, they all fit together into a into a, a little um, uh, uh, little one screws into the other arrangement that then goes into something that you can just hang off a belt loop or something like that. And I I can think of a lot of times in the past that that would have been extremely useful. I've got a little collection of things like that. The very first one that I had, um, I actually got somebody to make for me who'd got a lathe and he made one out of brass because I'd I'd not seen one for sale anywhere. But they've since then they've become quite available actually, and they're so useful. If you've got the wrong thread on the end of your mic stand, great. But also just being able to do things like attach cameras onto mic stands and get kind of overhead shots on things when you're making videos and stuff like that. It's fantastic. Does it have a bottle opener on it? Um, no, but okay, I've got missed that opportunity. My... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know over on the uh, classical recording group that I'm part of, uh, everyone was talking about that. It was like one of those, they're like, finally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. One thing from road we want to buy. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I mean, on, on that, I think we're going to wind things up. So uh, uh, thank you to my guest, Steve Mike, for sharing the thoughts on uh, uh, Dolby Atmos and the potential move to it. We're back next week with another edition of the Production Expert Podcast. <laughs>